Hello, everyone. Good morning. Anchors, yeah. Computer's live. I have a little Clemmy with me this morning. She's our Boston Terrier. And I had to bribe her with a little bit of peanut butter this morning. Come here, Clemmy. She's trying to figure out who I'm talking to. Hey, say good morning. Say happy morning, everyone. Yeah. All right, Clemmy, here we go. Good morning. Clemmy there has turned one and has decided she is in her preteen stage. So that has made some excitement around our house. Sorry, it was me a little unsaturated. All right, so welcome back to Public Problems. I'm your host, Justin Bullock. Thanks for following along. And today is Monday, February 1st, and we're doing the podcast live again on Facebook Live. So thanks to those of you who are joining us live here on Facebook this morning, those who are watching this by video, and those listening on the Public Problems audio podcast feed. Good morning. So I have a couple of updates for you um, since last week. So I wanted to say thanks again to the uh, those of you supporting on Patreon. These, uh, as I've mentioned in the last couple episodes, we now have uh, Patreon set up where you can support the podcast at $3 a month, $5 a month, and $7 a month. And each of those gives you different benefits, um, and we're actually starting up some of these benefits this month. Um, for those of you that are supporting us on Patreon, uh, there's two events that are uh, benefits for you this month. The first is attending a live recording on Zoom with me on February 15th, so just in a couple of weeks. And then an Ask Me Anything meeting on Zoom also on the 25th towards the end of the month. You'll be receiving an email about those events uh, later on today. Um, it's been really inspiring to have a number of you starting to support the podcast uh, financially. So thank you for that. And um, that's given rise to a couple of additional things. One being, let's see if I can get it into the screen here. We, as I mentioned last week, I think, but did not show it, used beginning to use some of the funds to get a microphone so that the quality of sound coming through to you is a little bit more professional. So thanks again for that support. One uh, personal update I'd like to share because it pertains to the one of the main topics from this podcast. Um, as you know, the podcast is Public Problems, but that I have a focus on artificial intelligence. And part of that is because... I really believe that this is one of the strongest uh, and most difficult challenges facing us as a general civilization. We're going to talk about what are some of the other major existential risks to humanity and how we might think about managing and mitigating some of those. Um, but artificial intelligence is the one that I have been focusing on and that we're going to be focusing on today. Um, and I'm going to share some of my, my earliest uh, academic work on this with you um, today. But a culmination of that work from the academic world has led to um, me leading a group of editors building out a Oxford University Press AI governance handbook. And this is going to have about 45 to 50 contributions from AI scholars from all sorts of disciplines, from, uh, from public administration, my discipline, political science, economics, philosophy, 
uh, neuroscience, some folks from some all, all different types of backgrounds. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure if we have anyone from neuroscience, but international politics, um, political science, and quite a number of other disciplines. And um, for the first time, we gathered this group together this past Friday, and uh, we used this really cool software called GatherTown, which allows you to interact almost in a Zelda a 1980s style video game, which was a lot of fun. And um, so we got that, that event kicked off, and as part of it, several of the contributors have interest in discussing their work more publicly facing. Um, so we'll be interviewing some of them as part of Public Problems as well, so you can hear not just my thoughts and some of the challenges that artificial intelligence in particular is presenting to society, along with a lot of the opportunities that it's presenting, but you'll be able to hear it from people from a number of different uh, backgrounds and different uh, experiences and different lenses. So um, that event went off great on Friday, so that was very exciting for me. It's something that we have been building towards. Um, so uh, look for more updates related to that and the AI Governance uh, Oxford University Press Handbook uh, over the coming months. In addition, I'm still making uh, progress on the Low uh, Wainwright uh, novel. Uh, those of you that are supporting the podcast will also receive a free copy of when it comes out. Uh, and uh, so still making some, some progress on that as well. Here in a couple of weeks on the podcast, uh, one of our regular segments will be me sharing new chapters of uh, the book with you as they come out, uh, as, they're, as they're completed. So I'm really looking forward to reading the chapters and sharing those with you and uh, getting some feedback from you all. All right, well, that's all for the updates this week. Um, again, thanks for following along. And um, I'm going to move now into a recap of last week's segments and what we have for you this week. By the way, you may notice that I have a different background behind me this morning. We are on the road today um, and having a little bit of a weekend trip, so we're not in our usual spot hanging out on the uh, on the coast instead this weekend, which has been quite nice. Okay, so last week I read uh, most of Chapter 10 from Olaf Stapleton's Odd John, which is a book, uh, as you, if you were with us last week, from the 1930s, and it follows, uh, I also did a reading a couple weeks ago, but it follows the story of Odd John, who um, is a homo, homo superior or supernormal, as the book portrays him. He has a genetic mutation that allows him to grow in at different uh, in different ways, across different time, time spans, and has some sort of supernormal abilities from a mind perspective, from his ability to think and solve problems and um, retain information. So he has this advanced intelligence. Um, and another piece of this is that he has psychical power too. So that allows him to experience other minds more directly. We had read uh, the first chapter of Ah John together. And in that, you were introduced to John and the narrator. And then we picked up John's journey um, in chapter 10 last week. 
this is the Plight of Humanity chapter. And those of you that weren't following along or haven't heard last week's episode, um, in that chapter, uh, John really laments about all of the problems and challenges facing humanity and how he believes that he could fix them if he really set his mind to it, but that he's not going to. And he has some pretty, I think, searing critiques of modern culture, of the modern church, of modern academia, um, of all of these modern institutions that help us point our directions um, as broad kind of human culture. So I really enjoyed uh, reading that last week. If you haven't listened to that, I won't recap it again since we devoted so much time to it last week. But if you haven't gotten a chance to either read Odd John or to listen to the reading from last week on chapter 10, I encourage you either and both maybe to purchase the book. Um, it's available on Amazon both as a paperback and um, as a digital copy. And you can also get it on Audible and listen to the whole thing from, from the narrator there as well. So um, some of the themes... I think that I wanted to just highlight from this chapter before we move on to the reading this week is John, I mean, Olaf Stapleton in this chapter really um, highlights that, that we find ourselves in a predicament as humans and it's, we're smart enough to kind of set standards for ourselves and see how our actions impact others, see the challenges of living and working together, but, but aren't able always to hang on to that, and that we really struggle to, to, to actually work together and to um, continue to be the better versions of ourselves. Um, and that, you know, another piece of this is that as, as we build out our institutions, that they really direct and influence a lot of our behavior and the challenges that come with that as the institutions themselves evolve over time. So, you know, Stapleton here, through the character of Ajahn, is trying to highlight both the limitations and challenges that we have as, as humans interacting in a really complex world uh, with lots of different types of organizations, with mechanization, with lots of different machines, um, and the as we built these institutions and machines, they have, in turn, really serious influences on us. Um, he also, in this chapter, really dismisses the Christianity and the Christian church as being played out um, and not truly alive, and that we need a more compelling new narrative um, that that helps us understand the world around us, um, but that also retains a spiritual element, an element that has metaphysical elements that science in and of itself doesn't fully explain everything. It's, it's really a process for gathering knowledge, um, and so it, it's limited in its ability to explain the these other types of phenomena. This is another commentary that, as a philosopher, uh, Stapleton has on on science. Lots of good stuff there. Uh, there's a lot I want to get into today, so I, I won't linger with this anymore. 
Um, but if you have any thoughts on chapter 10 from uh, John, feel free to comment on the video or on the, on the audio, wherever you find it. I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say and share any comments on it on our Facebook page, at the Public Problems Podcast uh, Facebook page, and uh, let me know what you think of Odd John and Olaf's Neighborhood. Next week, we're going to revisit with Odd John one more time uh, for a reading, and we're going to read the last chapter and share with you the end of the character of Odd John as Olaf Stapleton imagined him. Okay, I'm sneaking another sip of water. So this week's segment, I'm kind of keeping um, alternating between types of segments rather than doing a reading of a novel, which we'll come back to next week, or a reading of a summary of some academic work, which is what we uh, some of what we started with, or a poem. Um, this week, I'm going to read um, an article from an academic journal that I published in in 2019. This journal is called the American Review of Public Administration, and this was my earliest writing in artificial intelligence uh, as it applies to governance and public administration, and had been had encountered a lot of the early AI safety and AI value alignment literature, and thought there were some things there that were important for thinking about how bureaucracies and how government organizations make decisions and how they behave. So this is going to be written at a different audience than, uh, than you all initially, um, but I think there's some lessons here that, um, that even if this isn't um, your normal literature, Olaf Stapleton is also not your normal literature, and probably poetry maybe not has been your normal literature. So we're just getting a sampling of different things here. Um, this is, again, part of the American Review of Public Administration. It came out in 2019. And I'm, it's going to be a mostly word-for-word -word reading, but with some, uh, some abbreviating uh, throughout. There are some, there's a lot of references in this type of writing that would normally be in footnotes. So I'm going to leave out some of the direct references. This, um, I'm also going to make a copy of this available in the um, description of this week's podcast episode. All right, with that in mind, this is a reading of Artificial Intelligence, Discretion, and Bureaucracy by Justin B. Bullock. That's me. And uh, here's the abstract for it. This essay highlights the increasing use of artificial intelligence in governance and society and explores the relationship between AI, that's artificial intelligence, discretion, which I'll, you'll learn more about here in a minute, and bureaucracy. Artificial intelligence is an advanced information communication technology tool that changes both the nature of human discretion within a bureaucracy and the structure of bureaucracies. To better understand this relationship, AI, discretion, and bureaucracy are explored in some detail. 
It is argued that discretion and decision-making are strongly influenced by intelligence and that improvements in intelligence, such as those that can be found within the field of AI, can help improve the overall quality of administration. Furthermore, the characteristics, strengths, and weaknesses of both human discretion, that's human decision-making, and AI as a decision-making entity are explored. Once these characteristics are laid out, a further exploration of the role AI may play in bureaucracies and bureaucratic structure is presented, followed by a specific focus on systems-level bureaucracies. In addition, it is argued that task distribution and task characteristics play a large role, along with the organizational and legal context in which a task favors human discretion or the use of AI. Complexity and uncertainty are presented as the major defining characteristics for categorizing tasks. Finally, a discussion is provided about the important cautions and concerns of utilizing AI in governance, in particular with respect to existential risk and administrative evil. All right, that's the abstract. There's a lot of stuff there you may or may not be familiar with. Most of this gets defined in the article below. Basically what I'm examining here is how artificial intelligence changes how decisions are made within organizations. All right, it's going to complement or help out human decision making and it's going to replace in some situations as well. And this is going to depend on the thing that needs to be done in the organization, the task. And we're going to be worried about a number of things as we do this. And in part, we're going to be worried about existential risk, which is this is the chance that these tools may cause a complete collapse of humanity, and administrative evil. This is an idea that they may be used to harm people. Okay. In 1980, Michael Lipsky codified the role of the individual decision maker, the street-level bureaucrat. Such bureaucrats, including teachers, doctors, caseworkers, police officers, firefighters, garbage collectors, and information service workers, provided, gover provided government benefits, excuse me, provided government services and benefits and punishments directly to the public, often quite literally out on the street. As Lipsky noted, these street-level bureaucrats used their discretion which is their decision-making latitude in implementing government policies in complex and uncertain problem spaces to serve the public and to solve problems. Lipsky's work inspired much scholarly curiosity in the field of public administration into the motivations of these street-level bureaucrats and their managers who were implementing policy. Because bureaucrats exercise discretion when compl completing their job tasks, it would be helpful to understand how these decision-making processes work. Scholars examine differences between government bureaucrats and private sector employees across motivations and attitudes, such as public service motivation, extrinsic motivation, and organizational commitment. In addition to this work, public administration gave rise to the field of public management, 
or the impacts of managerial decisions on performance are highlighted. This research empirically established the relationship between those working within government and the performance of government. In the midst of this wave of scholarly attention devoted to understanding the motivations, attitudes, and decision-making processes of street-level bureaucrats, Bobins and Zordis in 2002 observed a trend in large executive public agencies from street-level bureaucracies to screen-level bureaucracies onto systems-level bureaucracies. That's a lot of bureaucracies. The idea here is that these organizations used to have people out working on the street, patrolling out in society, then a large swath of them spend more of their time staring at a screen, sitting behind a screen. Now, a lot of them are being controlled by these hybrid systems that are part managed by humans and part managed by information communication technologies or machines. Bobins and uh, Azortis have observed this trend in the literature early on. No longer were bureaucrats simply out on the street providing services to the general public. Now much of this work was being done behind the computer screen. Many decisions were becoming routinized and guided by computer software and databases, which resulted in changes in the operation and scope of discretion itself. Decision-making tasks were guided by software for case management, performance tracking, and increases in the oversight and accountability of bureaucrats' discretion. The same authors in 2002 maintained that the transition from a street-level bureaucracy to a screen-level one was only the first for lots of bureaucracies. Screen-level bureaucracies began to give way to even more expansive uses of information communication technology tools, such as computers, email, and other uses of the internet and digital world. Meanwhile, the ICT, short for Information Communication Technology, tools themselves increased in their capacity to both augment and automate decision-making tasks. In some instances, these increases began to give way to a new form of bureaucracy, as we've already mentioned, the systems-level bureaucracy, which is characterized by the decisive role that these tools, these digital tools, play in the bureaucratic process for some agencies, some organizations. No longer were these bureaucrats out on the ground or sitting behind screens and putting data, instead the tools themselves augmented and automated more and more tasks, in some cases even replacing the role of expert judgment by human bureaucrats. In the time since then, in this early 2002 observation, um, the, rise of the rise in the power of these ICT tools and in particular for artificial intelligence, had brought to the forefront some classic questions in public administration about decision-making, discretion for organizations, for bureaucracies, and how the work of, of, public, of the public is done. This essay seeks to explore the impacts of AI on discretion and potential consequences for bureaucracy and governments. AI's use as a tool by governments uh, is growing, and this trend is being discussed by the federal government and debated by scholars. 
Um, just one example from a few years ago, SpaceX launched an AI robot named Simon to the International Space Station to avoid NASA, to aid NASA restaurant, <laughs> to aid NASA astronauts. That's a hard one. In addition, the U.S. General Services Administration has partnered with a number of U.S. federal agencies to explore the use of AI and personal assistance. The use of AI as part of predictive policing and facial recognition, facial recognition for surveillance is also becoming uh, more prevalent. You're seeing this more in the news now as well. In the book, uh, The Rise of Big Data Policing, uh, Ferguson in 2017 documents the growth of AI and digital surveillance. Um, Virginia Eubanks does this as well uh, in a book, Automating Inequality. Shoshana Zuboff uh, in 2019 um, published Surveillance Capitalism, which we referenced um, last week, uh, two weeks ago now, in the using uh, AI as a double sword from the Mossbacker takeaway. Um, so there are a number of, of book loop treatments on this going back to at least 2017 and continuing. Recently, uh, relatively recently now, the U.S. government the U.S. federal government has made AI po policy priority, uh, issuing reports affecting both federal agencies and the private market. And there's a number of these um, in 2016, there's an executive order in 2019, all bringing attention um, to this as a policy issue from the U.S. federal government standpoint. And um, the argument here is that the public administration scholars um, and and you more generally out there should should also be taking these concerns more seriously. This article seeks to provide an exploration of the role AI is playing in changing the nature of bureaucratic discretion, that is, the decision-making by those working for governments. To better understand this changing nature, um, this decision-making capacity, this decision-making latitude needs to be better situated in a broader dis discussion of administration and intelligence. Thus, an agreement, an agreement, thus an argument is presented that decision-making in the vein of Herbert Simon, a Nobel Prize-winning economist, uh, argued is at the heart of administration and that intelligence is the basic capacity for decision-making. In this context, human discretion is characterized as human bureaucrats engaging in decision-making in which uncertainty is present for a complex task about how best to deliver government services, benefits, and punishments. Once this argument's laid out, then the human terrain for decision-making and quality of discretion are elaborated upon. Then some of the basic characteristics of AI are presented. From here, arguments are made about what the rise of AI means for the future of decision-making within bureaucracy broadly, and more specifically, about the impact AI has on decision-making within these systems-level bureaucracies where much has already been automated. Finally, the article concludes with some concerns and caution about how AI should be used intelligently as a tool of governance. All right. Grab a little sip of water here. Here's a little, quick little break. Administration, Discretion, and Intelligence. Herbert Simon noted that decision-making is at the very heart of administration. Street-level public servants use their decision-making latitude, their discretion, to conduct the basic work of administration. 
once legislation is passed, bureaucratic discretion occurs at all levels, from the details of policy implementation to agenda and priority setting, to the design of public agencies and organizations, and to the actual delivery of the services on the ground. Quality of administration can be characterized in part by how effectively public administrators use their discretion to achieve policy goals. The understanding of the individual decision-making process is an important feature of the study of administration. But what drives decision-making capacity? Can some construct be used as a guide to the quality of decision-making and thus the quality of discretion? While both motivation and goal alignment of the individual bureaucrat play large and important roles in this, Psychologists, neuroscientists, and AI scholars argue that intelligence is the construct that helps to define the overall capacity for the quality of decision-making. This essay adopts Max Tegmark's 2017 definition of intelligence, quote, the ability to accomplish complex goals, end quote. Tegmark argues that this definition is broad enough to encompass many of the competing definitions of intelligence, which include, as he quote, quoting him again, capacity for logic, understanding, planning, emotional knowledge, self-awareness, creativity, problem-solving, and learning. This definition also allows for many types of intelligence in pursuit of many different types of goals and gives a common construct that can be assessed across agents that pursue these goals. With the bonus characterization of substrate independence, which is helpful in thinking about intelligence across organic and non-organic entities. So this is the idea that intelligence, something that makes decisions, something that can accomplish complex goals, can be biological or mechanical. Administration is the attempt to achieve complex organizational goals through a decision-making process. Intelligence is the ability to accomplish complex goals. Thus, those interested in the study of administration should be concerned with advances in intelligence. And these advances abound, particularly in the realm of AI. However, before discussing AI, it is useful to consider the strengths and limitations inherent in human intelligence and hence human discretion. Okay, so this you'll notice maybe I'm sharing some of the frustrations that Stapleton has as some of the limitations for human decision making and administration here. So, human discretion and administration. Human discretion exists at the heart of administration. Humans created and maintained the administrative state and they remain its designers, leaders, and implementers. Given this history of human discretion and administration, what is known about the decision-making process and how well humans perform as actors with discretion and the delivery of public services? <clears throat> to treat this topic fully and all its nuances would require a book. In fact, numerous books have been written, for example, on how street-level bureaucrats use their discretion. Entire textbooks explain how humans design, manage, and run public organizations. A recent wave of research in behavioral public administration looks to incorporate, incorporate what behavioral economists and psychologists have discovered about the systematic biases and limitations to human rationality and how this plays out in the field. But a brief treatise must suffice. 
for this podcast and for this paper. Ample empirical evidence suggests that human public administrators are quite capable of efficiently, effectively, and equitably completing a wide range of administrative tasks. Early work in public administration examined a core set of key administrative tasks known as POSCORB, <laughs> planning, organizing, staffing, directing, coordination, reporting, and budgeting. And these tasks have been accomplished by humans throughout history. Administrative tasks rely on the ability to flexibly coordinate across a number of domains. Such tasks are quite suitable to human strengths. Administrators engage in networking, politicking, and innovating, which are all forms of discretion. They are often motivated to serve the public, find meaning in helping others, and work to help efficiently and effectively make use of public resources to provide public goods. They, they cleverly satisfy, coordinate, and compromise to handle the multitude of tasks required of them. <clears throat> but the human discretion picture is not always a rosy one. Humans are not rational automatons. They are riddled with a set of systematic, cognitive biases, and subjective probability weights, and succumb to, to planning fallacies and loss aversion. They are susceptible to corruption. They become demotivated and do not perform their job tasks well. They award improper and fraudulent benefits and deny benefits to the deserving. They use their power and influence to cause harm to the weak. They are often overconfident in their own abilities and quickly run into limits in to their capacity to process large amounts of data. While humans have certainly improved their administrative abilities over time to match the changing demands of modern society, there's no question that human administrators are limited in their capacities and deeply flawed in their pursuit of efficiency, effectiveness, and equitable administration of the law. Over time, these digital tools that we've been discussing have aided humans in refining and improving their discretion. And not just digital tools, information communication technology tools more generally. Early of these tools included basic systems of written accounting, but these tools have progressed to complex technological systems in which AI systems do more and more of the tasks that were once in the domain of human bureaucrats. This march of improvement in the capacity of these tools allows for augmentation and automation of tasks and continues to encroach in the space of work once completed solely by human administrators. In addition, these tools' progress present its own challenges, which will be further elab elaborated upon later in this essay. While these challenges are not necessarily new, automation and advances in computing have made numerous administrative tasks obsolete over time, advances in AI appear especially dramatic. And machine learning, as a piece of this, seems to be a real shift in the way in which AI is able to learn and adapt. What began as the automation of physical efforts and relatively straightforward data entry is evolving to the domains of cognitive and analytical tasks. So I'm going to skip towards the end of the essay here now. Um, I characterize some of the basics of artificial intelligence, which we will 
you've already heard some from me and that we'll be talking throughout. Um, talk about some of the challenges to whether or not individual decision makers should, can and will or should remain in complex administrative settings and what are some of the uh, pros and cons there. And I'm going to um, stop uh, to pick back up at the end of the section called the future of street level bureaucrats discretion and bureaucracy. And this is highlighting challenges of tasks being embedded in a very complex organization trying to do very complex things. A final observation for this section is that complexity and uncertainty of a task are likely to vary along the contextual factors highlighted by Push and Henriksen that would have been discussed a little before. And that they vary across different types of organizations, government organizations, and organizational units within an organization. For example, imagine the structure of a local government of a mid-sized city. This city may have a transportation department, a police department, a fire department, an accounting department, a legal department, a human resources department, a library services department, and a parks and recreation department, among many other departments. While many tasks and task distributions will be similar across these departments, others will vary significantly based upon the work of the particular unit. For example, firefighters and police officers encounter complex and uncertain task situations in their interactions with the citizenry. Such complex and uncertain encounters may result in extreme deviations from normal procedures and limits in the ability to fully analyze the situation. By contrast, task distribution for work tasks in an accounting office, a human resources department, and a library services department may consist of more tasks with fewer deviations from normal procedures, making it less complex, arguably, and that are more analyzable, can reduce the uncertainty. It is clear that the scope of street-level bureaucrats' discretion is decreasing in some domains, and the overall role human discretion plays in administration is changing. Discretion is curtailed and automated across some tasks and enabled and augmented across others. This is evident in the contextual analysis provided by Bush and Henriksen from 2018 and in the argument provided here on task complexity and uncertainty. In addition, the distribution of tasks and types of tasks completed by a governance organization contributes to the degree to which the organization is likely to shift from being a street-level bureaucracy to a screen-level bureaucracy and on to a systems-level bureaucracy. Systems-level bureaucracies are likely comprised of relatively more tasks that are more analyzable and that do not deviate from normal procedures. All right. So I'm going to um, skip this next section that is AI influence on systems level bureaucracies and discretion. This is something we'll come back to throughout introducing you to the challenges that AI pre presents to society. But I'm going to jump to caution and concern with the rise of AI and then a brief conclusion for this reading. The power of AI should not be underestimated. The Future of Humanity Institute, OpenAI, and other partners published a report noting the potential malicious uses of AI. They agree that AI expands existing threats to governance actors, 
introduces new threats, and changes the typical character of threats. Furthermore, they note six security-relevant properties of AI that contribute to its potential malicious use. AI exhibits a dual-use nature, double-edged, you might say. AI systems are commonly both efficient and scalable. AI systems can exceed human capabilities. AI systems can increase anonymity and psychological distance. And AI developments lend themselves to rapid diffusion. And AI systems often contain a number of unresolved vulnerabilities. These properties leave many to consider AI an ex existential risk to humanity. This is something that has been recently visited by Toby Ord as well in the book The Precipice that was released last year and a number of authors here as well. An existential risk, according to Nick Bostrom from 2002, is, quote, one where an adverse outcome would either annihilate Earth-originating intelligent life or permanently and drastically curtail its potential. Organizations such as OpenAI and the Future of Humanity Institute make it their mission to ensure that AI is used for the benefit of humanity and not its detriment. With these risks in mind, it is important to consider which aims and goals AI should be attempting. Unfortunately, we lack a complete public ethics framework by which to order the values that we would direct AI to maximize. Without such a tool to guide good governance and given AI's power for good and evil, it may be appropriate for public administrators to act in a way that minimizes its potential for administrative evil or unnecessary harm and suffering inflicted upon a population. We can appreciate the value of minimizing administrative evil while also realizing that AI will continue to advance. To stay ahead of the risks and abreast of the opportunities, we should take stock, take stock as I've begun here, of where this technology can viably take us and its broader implications for the field of public administration. As technology continues to progress, the number of tasks at the street level that are too uncertain or too complex for AI will continue to shrink. This suggests a decreased scope of tasks to be performed by human bureaucrats, leaving open the question of what this automation means for organizational outcomes and performance. The corollary to this is an overall rise in digital discretion and digital bureaucracy. While it is not the purpose of this article to fully describe the nature of the transition to digital bureaucracies, it seems obvious that a clear assessment of public values is needed to complete this analysis. This is a concern that's also playing out in the AI ethics and AI safety literature as well. PA has often relied, public administration, on the professional norms of different groups of its practitioners to address value-centered questions but both these professionals and their influence are likely to decline in the face of rising digital discretion and digital bureaucracy. So how do we prioritize these values across multiple types of service delivery? Should people receive equal treatment under the law or should circumstances be taken into account? What about the relative importance of effectiveness, efficiency, and equity? Numerous questions remain about how to maximize the common good while mitigating the possibility of administrative evil, particularly in the presence of such a powerful tool of governance. Okay, 
Those are, that's a reading uh, or an abbreviated reading, uh, a little more abbreviated than I thought that I would initially do. Um, but I think drives the home, uh, drives home the point without dragging your attention on this one. As you can see, this is something that I have uh, been concerned about for a little bit. This uh, was published in 2019 after a review process. Um, it's why it's going to be one of the themes of this podcast. Um, it is, I believe, one of the biggest challenges facing our societies and human civilization more generally. Um, and this piece of intelligence um, in this article is something that's going to come up again and again. It came up a little bit in Odd Job. Um, it's going to make some appearances in other writings uh, that I'm going to share with you. And it's this idea that we created such a complex world that it requires increases in our ability to solve the challenges presented by those complexities. Something that's going to come up again and again and again. Along with this idea of what kind of world do we want to build? What kind of world would we like to have? Not just minimizing administrative evil, which is what I allude to in this article. How do we build a better world together? All right. I'm at the 45-minute mark. I think that's enough for this week. Um, it's really a pleasure to share this work with you. It's a lot of fun to recap last week's readings and a lot of fun to discuss some of my own work with you uh, about artificial intelligence today. I hope you'll continue to follow along. Leave comments on the video, comments on the audio, comments on our Facebook, um, letting me know what you think about these episodes. Be back next week with another live recording on Monday morning. And um, thank you for your time. Again, if you have enjoyed this, um, be great if you would consider supporting the podcast on Patreon. The link for that will be in the description to the episode. And look for me there, Justin Bullock, and that's where you can support the podcast financially if you like at $3 a month, $5 a month, or $7 a month. And again, we'll be having our first um, supporter events this month. Looking forward to those as well. All right. Thank you. Have a wonderful Monday.